You ever grow a garden? Like any of you, any of you poultry homesteaders, you ever, do you have a garden? Have you ever grown a garden? Have you ever, you know, I mean, just, just out of hobby. I, you know, kind of your gateway drug to self-sustainability a lot of times is chickens in a garden, right? I mean, to me, th those are the two. It could be any combination of things, but a pretty basic, very common things with that is, you know, like chickens, pretty easy, pretty straightforward, pretty hard to kill. Uh, and a garden, right? Or an orchard, for instance. Apple orchard. You could eat applesauce the rest of your days of your life and you'd frickin' live. You know what I mean? So, like, yeah. A garden. Oh boy, have I got a story for you. Ouch! What the hell was that? Anyway, I just stepped on something. Oh yeah, I got a... I'm out in the woods and I got pine shavings for the trail. And, uh, I'll be goddamned if there wasn't a sliver in my shoe. I'm wearing Crocs, by the way. Boy, I wonder how that got in there. It probably got in as my dignity was leaking out of the holes. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so <laughs> there was one time I used to deliver beer, okay? And some of the products we have, everything is sold by the case. So if something had six packs, or two 12-packs, it came in what's called a flat, all right? Or a tray, if you will. Now, a flat or a tray is a cardboard deal that has about one to two inch sides. It's a flat piece of cardboard with one to two inch sides all the way around. And it would astound you how much people want these fucking things, okay? because they just work for shit. You don't need a box, you need a flat. So like auctioneers, they like a flat, it still contains the shit, but you can see it all. Or gardeners, they like to put their tomatoes in flats or vegetables or cucumbers, whatever. Um, like me, uh, I used to put the, when I brewed chicks, I like to use a beer flat as a, um, as a unit that I put the feeder in so that when they, they, they tear the living hell out of the feed, there's still feed left over and I can just pull the feeder out for 12 hours and that's all they get is the feed that's in the flat. The shit they spill, right? Because I'm kind of frugal that way and, well, call it mean, call it whatever, but that's what they get. And uh, it kind of contains it, you know, when they do spill it. So, you know, these flats, you know, they're useful for a million other things. You, you, could, you can keep going, you can, you can name them all. You can use them when you, when you plant seeds and put them in a window in the springtime. Um, and start your seeds, stuff like that. I mean, I used to use flats one right after the other. And uh, so anyway, I was, I, was, I was in the liquor store, and it's a liquor store that I had a key to. And I was in there, you know, putting the beer away because when you, when you deliver beer, you put the product away, you rotate it, you tear down the cardboard, you put the cardboard where, in the cardboard dumpster where it's supposed to go, and you make sure the product is back stocked and rotated properly. The beer driver basically does everything but buy it. You know what I mean? A lot of times, some, some of these places, these liquor stores and stuff, especially the small ones, they don't even have to touch it, ever. 
You know what I mean? And that's just kind of a service that the beverage industry has. It, at least up here in Minnesota, that's the way it is. And then there's other places, I mean, they work really hard, and there's other places that won't let you touch it, and won't let you put it away, and won't let you ro rotate it, because they feel as if they can do a better job. Which, you know, also, you, you get a little break in that situation. It all pays the same. Um, but anyway, you know, I'm putting it away, and as you're putting it away, you're knocking down the cardboard, so the boxes, I'm knocking them down, and in the, in, the, in the flats, I'm knocking them down. And it's about this time of year, you know, August time, or so and I'm sitting there tearing the shit out of these flats putting them all getting them all flattened out if you will and all of a sudden this lady storms into the freaking liquor store I'm delivering grabs the half torn flat out of my hand and she goes why aren't you saving those I need these for Harry Johnson's Dameda's and I'm sitting there thinking, well, first of all, I was kind of shocked that she walked in there, hung over as hell, and totally freaking just blew a freaking shoe at me about these goddamn beer flats. And second of all, I absolutely couldn't believe that she called tomatoes dumbatoes. So then, <laughs> I... On the inside, I was laughing hysterically. On the outside, I was looking at her like, what the fuck did you just say? <laughs> and so then she took it out of my hands and I started saving the flats. You know, I was only about halfway through my delivery at the time and I started saving the flats because she wanted the fucking flats for Harry Johnson's dumb Adas. Well then, you know, I mean, seltzers nowadays you know how they come in like a thin can I don't know if you know what a seltzer is but it's like a, a white claw or a truly or or whatever flavor you like or hate uh, it's it's that it's a real little can slim can and it, it the flats are smaller and the sides are higher okay so then you know, I mean, seltzers back in this time were kind of a hot item. So, I mean, they were we were selling a lot of them, right? I mean, we were really cranking them out, and everybody was selling White Claw. Um, I personally hate the shit, but it, White Claw, whatever, who cares? A anyway, so, you know, freaking, I, I save a bunch of these seltzer flats, and I go up to her later, and, and, and I said, hey, uh, these seltzer flats, did Harry Johnson want these for his dumbatas? And I said it just like that. Ooh, did she frickin' pierce me with an evil look. And just about frickin' went off the deep end. But, uh, you know, hey, Harry Johnson had plenty of white claw flats for his fuckin' dumbatas, I tell ya. And, uh, meanwhile, I, I guess you don't know what you don't know. You know what I mean? You just don't know what you don't know. Uh, you, you can walk into any situation. If you don't know, you don't know. <laughs> Welcome to the Poultry Homestead Podcast, everybody. God dang it, am I glad you're here. And boy, am I glad Harry Johnson has his fucking dumbatas. I mean, who calls it a dumbata? It's, it's a fucking tomato. Okay? Use your English. So, um... <laughs> it's, it's funny. It's funny to me. It's just funny to me. I mean, absolutely. 
But uh, yeah, so anyway, that, that kind of reminded me today. Today I was uh, tooling around here and I, I went over and we have these really goofy varieties of tomatoes. They're, um, we got them free from a really good friend of ours. Uh, she gave us four plants. They were really tiny when we got them. And she, um, you know, just gave us four plants that she started and, and, and got going. So um, we, we got this, these cherry tomatoes that are, are yellow when they ripen. Absolutely, they, they taste awesome, okay? Um, and we have these bigger tomatoes that, that don't really grow in a round shape. They're kind of a little different. And they're, and they're kind of purple. They have like a reddish purplish meat to them. And uh, the, the coloration is, is a little bit, you know, I mean, to me, a, a full-size tomato should be red. But it was good. They're good. They taste great. So, you know, this person kind of likes, you know, trying different stuff. And, hey, they were free. You know what I mean? And they were awesome. And we were really thankful to have them. So, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're having these, we're, we're picking our tomatoes, you know. I only have four tomato plants. That's my garden this year. Um, I do have a volunteer garden, though. I have squash, pumpkins, and gourds growing in what was the pig pen. Because what do I do in the fall? I give all the pigs all the pumpkins, squash, and gourds. And I, I cut them in half with a shovel so they can actually eat eat it, you know. They can start at the edge and eat their way in. And I absolutely love it. So um, in the pig pen, they spilled some seeds and they didn't get them back, right? So we have volunteer uh, squash, pumpkin, and gourd in there. All kinds of plants. All kinds of plants. They're in the shade. I'm going to tell you right now, it's probably not going to be the most productive squash, pumpkin, and gourd thing you've ever seen in your life. Because um, surrounded by pine trees, very shaded area, very limited water this year. And you know, like pumpkin, squash, and gourd, especially late in their growing season, they do. They need a lot of water, right? And, and that's just something, it, it's just kind of a volunteer garden, and here we are. We're, we're going to have it later this fall. So uh, we're excited about that, um, and we can't complain. But you know, it, it's pretty interesting. Um, a couple of you uh, have been sending pictures. I know Chris has. I, I, I really like that. Um, you know, he, he's showing me like the arrangement that his chickens and turkeys have. He's got a few turkeys. And there's somebody else that has a few turkeys too. I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, let's see, her name is, let me look, Connie. Connie was asking questions about turkeys. They got some chickens and stuff and they, they found a few turkeys themselves. So it's something to be excited about, those of you that are getting these turkeys. And Connie has asked for a little bit more content about the turkey thing. Well, let me tell you, Connie and, and and Chris, I, I don't think Chris is really looking for content on it, but uh, let me tell you, I, I'm not a turkey expert, okay? Um, I, I've heard that it is almost exactly like raising meat birds from friends of mine. Um, these are people that, 
that, you know, I mean, they don't, they don't inundate themselves with this kind of thing, and they don't educate themselves much when they, when they go into it. Um, turkeys, I've, I've heard, are kind of like meat birds. I do know I, uh, of the reading that I've done um, in, like, the hatchery catalogs, because I, I usually read the hatchery catalogs cover to cover, and that's where I get a lot of information. I actually get the physical catalog, and then before bed, I'll, I'll read a Hoover's Hatchery or a, or a Murray McMurray Hatchery catalog at nighttime because they have a lot of information and articles and, and educational things in there. But um, as far as turkey goes, um, there are some more athletic breeds than others, which also means that there are some turkeys that cannot breed because they can't get on top of the other one. They're too heavy, they're too big. You know what I mean? So it'd be almost like a Cornish cross type of deal where you'd have to really limit their diet so they don't grow too much and never give them much more food like that, like they do in the hatcheries now. Um, every hatchery has their secret. Every, every hatchery has their, their uh, the way they do things. But I'm, I'll just tell you, I don't, gosh, I don't know a whole lot about turkeys. I know uh, if you got them right now, come Thanksgiving time, you're going to be able to hammer off the head and throw it through the feather plucker and probably have the best Thanksgiving meal of your life. And uh, it's not going to be full of antibiotics and all those harsh chemicals or nearly the environment that most turkeys are raised in. You know, just a shitty, really huge, overpopulated barn. Um, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. We buy turkey from the store. We buy the butterball turkey that was raised in a shitty, overpopulated barn. Um, we eat one every year. And it's people just like us that, um, that's, that, that give, that make that a reality. And, and I'm sorry to say that. Uh, those of you who are raising your own turkeys, however, I, I gotta give you major kudos. Um, I was actually thinking of doing that and, you know, I mean, because like a, an organically free-range turkeys, if you raise those and you're really good at butchering them and you can do it very cleanly and then you sell those off the farm, I have heard that you can get like a lot of money for those. I know they eat a lot of food. But I've heard that you can get 80 to 100 bucks for a free-range, um, large turkey uh, that you fed organic food to. That's that's what I've heard. Um, so you know, I mean, those of you that are raising turkeys, you know, I mean, you know, if you get four of them or whatever, um, yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, what better gift for your family than a hundred-dollar turkey? you know, that you could give them for Christmas or whatever. Um, more, more power to you. That's all I got to say about that. I'm just, I'm excited for you guys. And Connie, I wanted to thank you. She, Connie is a first time uh, emailer and uh, I'm really happy that you sent me an email and, and she said a lot of good words and a lot of positive feedback in there too. And to be honest with all you guys, you know, <laughs> I, I just love the email part. Like when, when I open my emails and, and I read one, that is huge to me. And uh, I, I really appreciate stuff like that. Um, just somebody taking their time 
and, and emailing in stuff. So I, I'm sorry that I don't know a whole lot about raising turkeys, but uh, I'm really happy that you guys are asking. Maybe I'll do a little bit more research. Maybe I could, maybe there's somebody I could interview that would, that would have a heck of a lot more information for me on that. So uh, yeah, yeah, that's good, that's good. Um, but otherwise, around the farm here, you know, I mean, uh, I was telling you guys here last week that, you know, I was, I was grabbing buttercup off of the front yard. The front yard, I suppose, is, gosh, I don't know, three quarters of an acre. And it's all fenced in. It's for the dogs. It's like a double protection. We have the property fenced and we have the front yard fenced within that. And it's a double layer of protection for our dogs. We just don't want them to get hurt or um, hit by a car or find themselves in danger of any way or those guys, you know, getting, getting a hold of something that they shouldn't. So we do fence that for that reason and our dogs are very free range. We, I mean, we take them for walks and stuff all the time everywhere else. So we, you know, I, we hunt with them. I have an antler dog, stuff like that. But you know, Buttercup is in there eating and she's been in there eating for about two weeks now. Uh, not quite every day, but almost every day. It's rained a few times. Uh, and then the day after the rain, we don't want divots in the yard, so we keep her off of there because so, the lawn's kind of squishy. I mean, yeah, we haven't been getting a heck of a lot of rain, but, uh, you know, we're pasturing her on our yard. I have not mowed it. I don't need to weed with it. The fact is, there's a lot of things I really don't need to do to that yard right now. She's even cleaning up around the trees. She is cleaning up within the woods. She's eating the small trees that are volunteering that we don't want, she's taking the leaves off those. She's eating everything she can and doing a darn good job of it. She's in there right now just trying to fill her mouth as much as she can, even though it's short as can be. When she walked in there the first time, you know, it was like salad. It was, you know, six inches tall. Everything was ready to eat and all that. But now she is in here. She is uh, rooting around. Uh, pooping, peeing, doing everything that she does in the front yard, you know. And, and, and we've got water out there for her. We've got uh, probably a 15-gallon, like, uh, flexible pail thing. And we fill that three times, three to four times a day, especially when it's really hot out. Um, and she's just loving it, you know. I mean, she's, we've got an acorn tree out there. It's a burr oak a real little one, they don't grow very fast at all, I've noticed that. But that, that tree is, uh, you know, it's dropping its acorns right now, and she's eating them, you know. It's good for her, and she's, she's making good use of all this stuff. And then every day we go in there with a pitchfork, we scoop up her, her big old cow patties, and uh, we put them in her pen, and the chickens come a-running because she's got all that corn in there and all that feed in there from when we fed her at milking time in the morning, you know. Um, so the chickens are racing to get to that because they know how good that is and they know what kind of nutrition is in there. And um, with the dry summer and stuff, you know, the bugs have been very, very, very minimal. I mean, the farmers have spread, have sprayed all the bean fields for aphids and this year our, our house is surrounded by bean fields, you know. So, I mean, it's sprayed so much, I mean, I, we cannot call this an organic farm at all. <laughs> I mean, 
If you want to listen to a barefoot organic farmer, I am not that. <laughs> I'll tell you that. But anyway, you know, she's, she's, we are, we are feeding the cow off the lawn. And as to where a hay bale, a big round four by four hay bale would last probably three weeks, uh, right now it'll probably last a month. You know what I mean? Or, or even longer. Because she is getting all the nutrition she needs of fresh grass in the summer, the way it is right now. We got another pasture for our horse and she keeps that cleaned up. You know what I mean? What I really wish I could do, I got too many trees planted out here, but what I really wish I could do is just send her in other parts of the yard and gate her off, but we got a whole bunch of trees planted in certain parts of the yard and she'll eat those. You know, they're just young trees that we want to grow and she'll eat them. So I can't let her in that those parts of the yard. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. But, you know, this fall's coming. And we're going to have to make hay while the sun shines. And, you know what, Buttercup's going to eat all this great grass and all these good things around here while she can. Because, you know, all winter, she's just going to have to be supplemented with hay. And it is what it is, and that's what you prep for, right? That's what that's what we do. That's what we that's what our money's for. That's what our things are for. So, anyway, thank you for tuning into the Poultry Homestead podcast today, and I appreciate all those emails that you guys have been sending. I will be responding directly to you shortly. Um, it, it's been busy. It's been busy. I've had time to read, but not respond. If that makes sense, uh, I like to come up with good responses <laughs> for the emails. You know, so I, I'm the kind of person that thinks on things instead of just instantly responding with a glorious response. I'm, uh, I don't think that hard, I guess. I, I, I'm not that quick of a thinker. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah. Thank you for tuning in today, and uh, keep them coming. Keep them coming. Keep the pictures coming, too. I was really amazed with Chris's um, chicken pen, because what he had is like the, the bottom, I don't know if it was two or three feet, was hardware cloth which is like half inch by half inch holes. And then the top was the chicken wire, like your, your hexagonal um, chicken wire, just regular chicken wire, you know what I'm talking about. It was really neat to see that that bottom was even hardware cloth. So very impressed. I was very impressed with that. I actually thought of that and I thought, hmm, I wonder if a guy should, uh, I should make my next meat bird pen that way. You know, it would keep a few of the buddies that I don't want in there out of there, you know, like rats or mice or whatever, I don't know. But I suppose I better get rocking and you guys got stuff to do too, so. Anyway, have a good one. <laughs>